this morning is from Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was, obe- and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. And then from 1 John chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Julie. Good morning. Are you guys awake? Okay, this is what I told the early service. I said, if I were on a youth retreat la- right now, I would have everyone stand up. You're not, don't worry. I would have everyone stand up and stretch real big and then maybe turn to the side and like beat on the back of the person in front of them, give them a little massage and get that blood flowing. But all I'm going to ask from you guys is just smile back at me. God, thank you so much. And now that you're smiling at me, I'm going to invite you to something. Uh, during the season of Advent, we are going to be having a prayer emphasis. Uh, we want everyone at Parkway Heights to engage with us in this. Um, it will start the first Sunday of Advent, the 29th of November, just a couple weeks from now. Um, the prayer room, the prayer chapel, which is just down the hallway this way, is going to be set up so that when you walk in, you will literally be surrounded by who we are as Parkway Heights. You will see images, there will be objects, um, quotes, you know, things like that, that just say, this is who we are, and this is who God is calling us to be. And then there'll be stations around the room that will just guide you and direct you during your prayer time. There'll be an area for us to confess um, the ways that, that we are aware that we maybe are misaligned in our personal lives with God. We talked about that last week when we talked about love God, that we revere him above anyone and anything else. So what are those ways maybe I need to get back in line with that? What are the ways that our church, this congregation may need to realign itself um, with that? So we wanna confess those things. There'll be an area for prayer and adoration and thanksgiving where we can just tell God the truth, the beautiful truth about who he is, about how good and how holy he is, to thank him for the way he's moved and worked in our lives. There'll be an area to pray for renewal 
and revival of our passion for God to bring new life to us here, uh, maybe personally, but also in our church family here. There'll be a place to pray for the staff. There'll be an area to pray for God to provide all that we need here. Um, it's just going to be a wonderful time for us to, to pray together. And you, you don't even physically have to come here to participate. We're going to make a booklet that you can take home that will guide you um, so that you'll have um, ways to pray during all the weeks of Advent. So you'll be hearing more about that coming up soon. We just really ask that you take that to heart and that you participate in that with us. And God is going to move in a powerful way as his people um, bow and pray before him. So thank you for considering being a part of that. Um, This morning, we're continuing in the second week of our two-part series called The Main Thing. And we learned last week what the main thing is. It's those two commands uh, from the law when Jesus was asked, what's the most important, what are the most important commands in all the law? And he said, it's this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is the main thing. And we, we learned that it's not just enough to know what the main thing is. The challenge really is then to keep the main thing the main thing. We also said there were two basic principles about love that we want to keep in mind as we, we seek to live out loving God and loving others in our lives. And it was this, the first one is that God loved us first. God always initiates a love relationship with us first. We love because God first loved us. First uh, John 4.10, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So that was the first principle. God loved us first. And the second is this, that love is decision and action, not just emotion, not just a feeling. It it doesn't just feel. Love propels us to selfless action on behalf of another person. So this morning, we're going to look at those two scripture passages that we heard um, so that we we can discover a little more about how we really are going to make loving God and loving others more of a reality in our lives. Um, so the first, First uh, John 4, verses 11 and 12. This is just picking up from that passage we looked at last week. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, and look, what was the that much? We just heard it back from verse 10, that God sent his son as a sacrifice on our behalf so that our sins will be taken away from us. Since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. So John's like, think about it. I mean, since God has shown his love for us through such amazing, grace-filled, selfless action on our behalf, surely we ought to do the same. And he keeps going. Um, No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Now, in other words, although we may not actually see God physically, although we may not see God, when we love each other, God himself is made visible in us to other people. His love is brought to full expression in us and through us to the world. Now, I just think that's cool. That is so cool. I mean, think about it, that the full expression of God's love wasn't just 
that God loved us and that he showed that love through Christ. And then he stopped there. No, God said, my plan for the full expression of my love to really be shown in this world is that I will go first and I will show what that looks like and I will act on behalf of my people through my son, Jesus. And then they will be filled with my love and my love will come out through them. And that is the full expression of my love. Now that's cool, isn't it? That God says, it's not just me loving, but it's every one of my beautiful people out there loving with my love in the world. That's what we're called to do. That is awesome. Um, Now, the other passage that was read this morning from Luke chapter 2, let me ask you this. Was anybody in here and you're going, okay, today is love others. And we're reading this passage about Jesus getting all lost up in Jerusalem. What does that have to do with loving others? Anybody brave enough to just go, yeah, I was confused? Awesome. Then you guys, Emily in the back was confused. Thank you. I mean, everybody else knows where we're going with this. Um, So Emily, the rest of the sermon is just for you. so look, we're going to look at this, and while at first glance it might seem a little strange, we're going we're gonna to see some fun things in here that are going to help us know better um, how we're supposed to love one another. Um, so just to recap, here, here's what happened. Jesus' family, um, along with every other Jew, um, traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. I mean, everybody went. Thousands of Jewish people descended upon the city because this this was the big festival. This is when they commemorated and celebrated their deliverance from their slavery in Egypt. Big, big deal. So his family heads on down just like they did every year. And um, they're, they're coming home at the end of the festival. And about a day's journey out, they realize, hey, have you seen Jesus? Uh, no, I haven't seen him. Have you seen Jesus? No. And they're like, oh, Uh Uh-oh, so they turn around, they go back to Jerusalem, they're frantically searching for him everywhere. About three days later, they finally find him in the temple. And I mean, don't you know, while they were frantically searching, Mary was like, Joseph, we had one job. We had one job to raise the Savior of the world, and we've blown it. I mean, they're freaking out, and they finally found him. And Mary, you know, she just grabs him up, maybe a little tight around the shoulders, crying, maybe kissing him all over his face and hugging him, but just kind of like this a little bit. We've been looking for you everywhere. Why would you do this? Why would you do this? And Jesus' response in the translation we heard this morning was, Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Now look, if you have a study Bible, you might notice that there's a little asterisk at the end of that sentence and a note at the bottom that gives you another translation. Because really a more accurate translation is him to say this, didn't you know that I should be about my father's business? Didn't you know I should be about my father's business? I mean, even at an early age, Jesus was already about his father's business. And then as we look at his earthly ministry, we notice, and we talked about this last Sunday, that everything he did and everything he said was what the father was doing and what the father told him to say, being completely about the Father's business. And then, therefore, the full expression of God's love was revealed in his life. 
So we're going to come back to this passage a little bit later. But first, if, if our lives are going to fulfill this command of loving others as we love ourselves, there's a couple of things that we're going to need to do. And the first one is this. We need to choose to be about the Father's business. We need to choose to be about the Father's business. Remember, one of our basic principles is that love is not just feeling. It's not just emotion. It's decision and action. And so if, if loving others as I love myself is going to become a reality in my life, then I've got to make a choice, a daily choice really, to be about the Father's business. Because when it comes to loving others, you are not, you are not always going to feel like loving others. There will be times when obeying this command is just, it's going to butt up against everything sensible, against everything reasonable you can think of. There will be times when living out this command is going to be extremely difficult. It's not going to make sense, at least from a worldly or fleshly viewpoint, which is why we need to do a second thing as well, and that's to think differently. Think differently. So consider the parable of the Good Samaritan, okay? How could we talk about loving others if we don't talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? So here it is. Jesus is approached by an expert in the law. What do I need to do to gain eternal life? And so Jesus directs him right to the law, and he says, well, what does the law of Moses say? What do you read there? And this man, being an expert, gives the correct answer. And he says, well, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, right, go do this and you'll live. But it says the man wanting to justify himself says what every other person at that time that was studying Scripture and trying to figure out what God meant asked this question, who is my neighbor? So who is my neighbor? And so then Jesus tells him the parable of the Good Samaritan, where a Jewish man is beaten, left for dead by the side of the road, and a Samaritan, a man who had been absolutely despised and hated by the Jewish people, was the one who stopped and helped him, was the one who gave him aid after two other Jewish men had seen their fellow Jew and passed by on the other side. The Samaritan stops and he acts selflessly and sacrificially on behalf of the person in need. And so then Jesus asks this question. He says, Who, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And the obvious answer, of course, which the expert says is, well, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus was like, great, then go and do the same. But, but do you see what Jesus did there? He challenged the man to think differently about what loving others meant. As he told this parable, his goal was to shift this man's perspective so that he could approach that question, approach the whole thing about loving others from a completely different angle. And instead of asking, who is my neighbor? And therefore, setting a limit or a parameter on who I should love and who I'm allowed to not show love to, Jesus says, a better question is this, how can I be a neighbor? That's really what you should be asking. How can I be someone who just shows God's love to other people without limit? 
How am I to be a neighbor? Jesus is saying, look, show love without limit. Quit trying to justify yourself. Quit trying to say, where can I not do it? Where is it okay to not do it? He's pushing us, challenging us to consider what the shocking reality of love really is. And then to think differently as a result and then to act differently as a result of that. Because right action begins with right thinking. Right action begins with right thinking. And right thinking means that we don't start with ourselves when we're considering whether we should act in love on behalf of another person. Meaning we don't start with thinking about what might I lose or what might I have to give up. or um, We don't start with comparing ourselves to other people and going, oh my gosh, you know, what, what would they think about me if I acted this way? I mean, what are they going to say about me? We don't start there. If you start there, you're going to have a really hard time living out loving others practically in your life you're going to talk yourself out of living that way because loving others like I said earlier can be very difficult sometimes it can be one of the most difficult things that we can even conceive of doing especially when we live in a world where there are people who think that acts of terrorism on innocent people is a better choice but Jesus said returning evil for evil never fixes it but if you are someone who seeks to live in love, and you act in love. That's hard, though. It's hard. But we don't want to talk ourselves out of doing that. If we're going to live this way, we've got to think differently. Okay, so those two things were choose to be about the Father's business and then think differently. Two things I can do to make this loving others thing more of a reality in my life, all the while remembering that the Holy Spirit is going to give me the ability to do this because if he has asked me to do it, if he has called me to live this way, he will empower me to do that. He is not going to say, well, and good luck with that. Let me know how it goes. He's not going to do that. He's going to say, and then my power in you, when you make that choice, my power in you to live that out. And do what is beyond what you even think you're capable of. Okay. So, look, let's look back at our, our, our Luke 2 passage real quick. Because there's some more stuff I want to show you there. So here we are. Mary finally finds Jesus. She gets a firm grip on him. Right? <laughs> Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been searching frantically for you everywhere. Jesus says, but why... Why did you need to search? I mean, to me, it's as if he's just gently nudging her to think differently. Because think about it, of all the people on the planet, Mary and Joseph were the ones who had the most information about Jesus' identity and about his miraculous birth. I mean, if anybody should have been thinking differently when it came to Jesus, it it should have been Mary and Joseph. But here's something else I wanted to show you from this that it just hit me while I was looking at this this week. Um, Luke 41, it's going to be on the screen for you. Why was Jesus' family in Jerusalem? And I would love for you to answer me back. Why were they in Jerusalem? For what? The Passover. They were there for the Passover. At the end of the festival, Jesus was nowhere to be found. But tell me, how many days later does it tell us that they discovered Jesus? Three days later. Okay. After what, you know, the whole time that they'd been looking for him, frantically searching, wondering why would he do this? They discovered him three days later, and that whole time he'd been about his father's business. That was his answer. 
fast forward to Luke 23 and 24. Jesus is taken to trial. He's tortured and he's crucified. He dies on a Friday at Passover. And once again, just like in Luke 2, those who loved Jesus were frantic. They were left with nothing but questions of like, why would he do this? Why is this happening? Why is he not here? Until how many days later? Three days later when they discovered him alive, risen. That whole time that they had been frantic, the whole time they'd been wondering what has happened. He was busy being about the Father's business, loving the world in the most radical way possible with decisive, selfless action so that our deepest need could be met. And if God loved us that much, then surely we ought to love each other. And even though no one can see God, when we love each other, he will be made visible in us. And his love will be brought to full expression in us, through us, into the world. Believe me, when we do that, then they'll see God. They will see God. So one last thing, one last thing. This prayer experience that we're going to have during the Advent season if you will truly engage in it, um, it's going to help you remember what it means for you in your life to be about the Father's business. What would it look like for me if I said every day, today I will not be about my business alone. I will be about the Father's business today. And the other thing it will do is it will help us think as a whole family, a whole community of faith. What does it mean and what does it look like for all of us as the people of Parkway Heights to be about the Father's business? Nothing else, just to be about the Father's business. Um, if we open up ourselves to what God wants to say, the other thing that's going to happen is he's going to push us to think differently. He's going to push you to think differently about how you approach other people, how you approach life, how you think about loving others. He's going to push you and he's going to push us all as a church family to think differently. Where do we need to maybe take a different approach to some things? And I'm going to tell you, if Parkway Heights is going to have a continued powerful impact over the long term here in Hattiesburg, and in the world, because our reach is far and wide, nationally and internationally. But if it's going to keep being that way, it's going to be because we choose to think differently. It's going to be because we choose to be about the Father's business and we allow him to change our thinking so that we approach things in a new and a fresh way because his spirit is moving, it always moving is never stagnant, it's never grows stale, never gets boring. And so we want to move with him. We want to go with him and we want to be about whatever he's about, however he says do it. So that's why we need to come together and we need to bow our knees before him and engage with him and talk with him and listen to who he would have us to be so we know how to act in this world. So I just, I just again, I invite you to participate with us in that way so that loving God and loving others 
can find its full expression in us. Does that sound good? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Okay, consider yourself invited. We look forward to engaging with you in that way. Let's pray together. God, you're so good. We love you so much, and we are thankful for the way that you've worked and, and moved and acted on our behalf, Lord, the way you keep doing that and keep reminding us to do the same. Father, I pray for a fresh move of your spirit here, that you would fill us with all the confidence we need, that you would inspire us to think differently, and that, Lord, you would just raise us up to new life that you would push us out of our comfort zones and that you would find uh, the full expression of your love able to bloom through us. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for salvation, your sacrifice on our behalf. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, let's continue in our worship as our ushers come as we give to God his tithes and our offerings. <laughs> 